0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Paul turns, as he does at the end of most of his letters uh, uh, to churches as he writes to them, to personal greetings. He sends messages to those uh, in Rome whom he knows. And then after uh, some final teaching in verses 17 through 20, he sends greetings from those that he's with. And then before finishing the passage, he praises God. And so that's kind of what we we see in the text. And I, I want to look at three different things here in this passage that I think we should focus on. But ultimately, the title of the message tonight is, To God Be the Glory. To God uh, Be the Glory. As Paul goes through this, he begins to... Uh, uh, show us some believers that are here in the church. And he's talking to us about these believers. And so it gives us a sense as he gives names that these are real people that lived in a real time in a real church. It gives a reality to the letter. These are uh, definite saints. These are people that really lived. And uh, number one tonight uh, in this message, I want to say that there are some people to thank. There are some people to thank when it comes to the church. These definite saints, these believers, Paul mentions, they're real people who have lived uh, and uh, he was personally thankful for. None of us get where we are without others. Isn't that true tonight? We all have somebody to thank. Paul was looking back on his ministry and he was saying, all of these people that you know, that are with you, have helped me. That have ministered to me. That have been good to me. He mentioned some of them that even stretched out their necks and uh, short of giving their own lives, were willing to give their own lives for Paul's ministry that assisted him in that way. These were sacrificial people. I'm, I'm going to say tonight, thank God for the church. I'm thankful that we can look around and understand that there's been people that are around us that have, had played a real role in our life in helping us. Let's be thankful because none of us are self-made, are we? Uh, None of us, uh, how could we hear without a preacher? You know, we heard because somebody brought the gospel to us. Someone uh, shared a gospel message or a gospel track or somebody preached to us or somebody taught us or somebody uh, gave us a testimony. Whatever it was that God used uh, to reach you, uh, the Lord uh, had some definite people that are in your life. I would say this tonight. It would do us well for us to thank those people like Paul thanked these people for us to, you know, kind of go through our minds and thank the people who are assisting us, who are helping us, who are along the way. Because, you know, the devil wants to do with you and those people, he wants to divide you from them. We're going to look at that in a second. He wants to separate you from those people. And Paul was saying, I'm determined to remain grateful for these people. These people, I would tell you, I know, just from we know in real life, these these people are not perfect people. You don't think Paul ever had a disagreement with any of these people? Or Paul, uh, Paul and someone else never saw Ida. You know, it's not that he's saying these are people that have always done what I told them to do. These are people that help me. These are people that we've worked through difficulties and problems and trials and tribulations. And these are people that God has used to minister to me. And there are some people that we need to thank. Can you think of some people you need to thank tonight? Can I tell you, write a thank you letter. You know, write some things. Make some expressions of gratitude and thankfulness. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. That's what the Bible says. There's some people we need to thank, aren't there? There's some people we should say thank you to, and we should, we should honor, and there's some that we should thank. Not only there were definite saints, but there were diverse saints. Uh, we don't know uh, about all 26, Paul mentions 26 individuals. We don't know about all of them that he names, but it's clear from these verses that the Roman church was a diverse body. I mean, think about it. The first person he names was a woman. Phoebe. What did she do? Well, she was apparently the one who carried the message from Paul to the church at Rome. She put her life on the line, and you know what she was? She was a messenger, a carrier of this letter uh, and brought it to them. She was willing to give of herself and travel and take this message. She was willing to go and to serve. And can I tell you, women are so valuable to the church. And uh, by by the way, so effective and so needed, I'm thankful for the diversity because we need men and women to serve God, don't we? We need to be willing to serve the Lord together. There's a diversity here of gender. Eight or nine of the 26 people named here are women. So eight or nine of the people in this list are women that we're serving. Paul singles out many of them. He says they worked very hard. Uh, This along with the comments here with Phoebe shows us that women were active, they were influential in the ongoing ministry and mission of the church. You know, that should tell us something. Hey, we need to be involved. We don't need to use uh, excuses for why we can't be involved. And gender is not a reason not to be involved in ministry. We have different races of people. Think about this. Jewish people. Aquila and Priscilla in verse 3. And Paul's relatives. They were fellow Jews. Verses 7-11. Gentile Christians were named. These are people of different races, different cultures, and different backgrounds. You know what that should uh, make clear to us? To continue to grasp the simple fact that the early church was very diverse and very multicultural. And that is how God always intended it to be. Can I say that? Are we okay with that? The church is meant to be diverse. It's meant to be multilingual, multicultural. God has made the church that way. We shouldn't be trying to divide everybody by their race and by their class and have a specific church to a specific race. We don't have a church to a specific race. There's the church of the living God. And we're, we're seeking to uh, what? minister to everybody that's in our area. You know what the church should look like? The geographic area that we live in. It should look like all the people that live in this area. That's what the church should look like. For too long, the churches are too white. I'll be honest with you. We had too many different div- things that we divided, uh, divided from and made. Oh, we're going to make it about this. We're going to make it about that. You say, what are you talking about? I'm saying, hey, people should know that we're okay with diversity. And I'm not talking about political diversity and the garbage that's being uh, toted by politicians today. When they, when they say diversity, they're not talking about what the Bible's talking about. I'm talking about true diversity. A true church that we don't, we're not divided by our race. We're not divided by our gender. We're not divided by our class. Some of the names in this list were probably of royal or high rank. If you look at uh, Aristobulus and uh, Narcissus in verse number 11 and 10, uh, notice that both are said to have been the head of a household or an estate. These were people that were in their household. They were over this big household. These were some well-to-do people, and there were some people that didn't have very much. So there were rich and poor, young and old. Jews and Gentiles, women and men, children and young people. That's how the church is supposed to be. Are you with me tonight? I'll move on when I think that you are. Oh, some of you, okay. Oh, we'll participate. All right. So uh, there's some to thank. There's definite saints and there's diverse saints. Not only are there some to thank, but he moves on and he says there's some to avoid. There's some to avoid. In verse number 17, Paul urges his brothers about divisions and obstacles. He says, hey, listen, there's some people that you need to avoid. There's some teaching that you need to avoid. There's some preaching that you need to avoid. Can I help you this uh, tonight? Uh, not everybody who says the name of Jesus is preaching the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not everybody who has a church on the marquee is a church. It's the truth. A church, you know what a church is? A church is not a building. A church is a called out assembly of believers. That's what a church is. It's a people. It's a group of people that are what? Saying we will obey the word of God. We'll do what the word of God says. And so you know what the sad part is today is that pastors and teachers are coming with their own agendas their own doctrines, their own whatever, and they're adding that to the Word of God. You, you can see some things that are being taught today in so-called churches that are even contrary to the Scriptures. You know what we can't do? We can't ignore that. We can't just say it's okay for us to just have our own opinion or have our own thing. You know, there's a lot that's in the Bible that we don't need to worry about what's not in the Bible. You know, I didn't come to give you a word from the Lord from me. I came to give you the Word of the Lord. Why? Because you know what God tells pastors? Preach the word. He doesn't say preach your word. He doesn't say preach what you think. He didn't say preach your dream last night. Preach your vision. Preach the word. Preach what God's word says. And that's what we need. We need pastors that will teach and preach God's word. And by the way, only God's word. Not diverting and, and having a different agenda or opinion. You know, he says, hey listen, there's some... That you need to avoid. There's some that he's saying here, keep away from them. How can they be recognized? Well, the first thing he mentions is that they're doctrinally impure. They are, what they're teaching is contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Um, There is this kind of, again, there's always been these movements. The evangelical movement, new evangelical movement. There's always been these movements of, breaking down denominational barriers and all just coming together and holding each other's hands. Uh, Can I tell you that we can't do that? And the reason why we can't do that is because the Bible tells us not to do that. I can't yoke up with somebody who's an unbeliever. I can't yoke up with somebody who is not teaching and, and, and preaching what the Word of God says. And I don't care if they're majoring on what they say the majors and they're ignoring what they think are the minors. But God said preach the whole counsel of God. He said all of it matters. Uh, I know there's some things that we can agree on and disagree on, but let's be clear from what we learned from the book of Romans. The things that we disagree on that are okay for us to disagree on, those disputable matters are things that God has not clearly given us instruction about. So it's okay for us to have differences of opinion when it comes to different places that we draw different lines in our life where God hasn't said black and white, this is what you must do. By the way, a lot of times what churches have done is they've drawn lines where God didn't draw lines. You know, and there's been a whole level of people that even in good churches that preach good doctrine have for a long time been holding on to things that aren't even in the Bible. Are you with me? Just holding on to vain traditions, things that aren't even in the Bible, things that God doesn't even teach, things that God doesn't even say in black and white. Uh, there's some things that we could definitively say that are in God's word, and we can avoid those things. Hey, speak where God speaks, silent where God's silent, shout where he shouts and whisper where he whispers. I'll tell you, I am not going to shout every week over and over again where God gave us a little whisper of a, you know where we can shout? Where God shouts, where he says over and over again, this is what you need to do. And sometimes we focus on these things that are, you know, just vain traditions and opinions and agendas and preferences and, We focus on them to the point of, what are you doing? Are you reaching the lost? Can I remind you that coming off of chapter 15, what we're dealing with. You awake tonight, everybody? Okay? Gospel unity puts the church on gospel mission. That's what we talked about in chapter 15. Gospel unity results in the church being on mission. You know what to take a church off mission? Bad doctrine. Bad doctrine, when I'm, not, when I'm not doctrinally sound according to the word of God, I'm not going to be the soul winner I should be. I'm not going to be the witness that I should be. I'm not going to be focused where I should be focused. Not only did he say these people were doctrinally impure, notice this. Contrary to the teaching you have learned, people may be eloquent and flattering, Paul says in verse number 18, but measure what they say against the gospel. It doesn't matter how eloquent they are. Doesn't ma- can, I, can I say this? It doesn't matter how many best New York best time sellers they've written in the religious section of the bookstore. It doesn't matter how many thousands of people sit in their auditoriums. It, it doesn't matter how many television programs they have. What I'm saying to you tonight is if they're not saying what God's word is saying and they're not line upon line, precept upon precept, teaching and preaching the word of God, you know what he says? Avoid them. He doesn't say, can I say this? He doesn't say attack them. He says avoid them. How many know there's a difference between avoiding and attacking? I don't need to attack them. I just need to avoid them. I need to stay away from that. I need to be careful. You know how many people have been led out of good churches because they watch the wrong television programs, because they listen to the wrong radio programs, because they fill their minds with false doctrine, and then they get led astray. You know how many of the kingdom halls are filled with people who were new believers that never got discipled, and they were blown about with every wind of doctrine, like the Bible says. The Bible says that these are people that lead captive silly women. People that just kind of, you know, they're not really focused on what's true, they just focus on what feels good. Can I tell you, the prosperity gospel of today feels good. It feels good. What does the prosperity gospel say? God wants you to be wealthy, and God wants you to be healthy. And what I would say is, read the Bible and you'll say, not so. Not so. Because I don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. Healthy and wealthy. You know, you know where I'm going to be healthy and wealthy? In a sweet by and by. That's where I'm going to be healthy and wealthy. You know where I'm supposed to lay up treasure? In heaven. Where moth and dust don't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal. And God help the hirelings that stand behind pulpits that are shearing the sheep and patting their. 401ks. God help them, because they're hirelings. And you know what's going to happen when the wolves show up? They won't stand, because they're a hireling. They flee, they run away. We were having this conversation uh, the other other night, and I made this uh, uh, to a couple of our guys, and I said, you know, wherever there's sheep, there's wolves. Wherever there's sheep, there's wolves. You know what wolves are looking for? A way to take advantage. Devour, devour the sheep. Want to devour the sheep. You know what sheep do? Sometimes they nip at the shepherd. But they don't eat you. If if somebody's eating sheep, they're not a sheep. They're a wolf. If somebody's devouring, who, who's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? That's the devil. You know, sometimes I, I'm with it. Sometimes a sheep will nip you. I'm okay with that. I can take that flesh wound, all right? We, we, can, uh, we, we, can, we can be okay with that. But you know what wolves do? They devour. They destroy. They kill. He says doctrinally impure, and that kind of moves to the second point. How do we identify those to avoid? Uh, they're divisive and deceptive. They're divisive and deceptive. What they do, verse 18, they aim to serve themselves, not Christ. Their God is their belly. Their God is themselves. However fine-sounding a teacher is, seek to discern whether they are in it for themselves or give, to give themselves to Christ. Uh, I'm not here to make a name for me. You're not here to make a name for you. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. Um, I understand that we could put on every brick, on every wall, on every pew, on every window, your name and my name. I get it. But we're not here to make a name for us. We're here to make a name for Christ. Make his name glorious. We want want people, hey, if people never know who my name is, they'll be okay. But if people don't know the name of Jesus, they won't be okay. They won't be okay. You know whose name they need to know? The name of Christ. The name of Jesus. Divisive and deceptive. How can they be stopped? Well, Paul tells the Roman Christians, verse number 19. Be wise about what's good. Be innocent or simple about what is evil. You know, they're a church who wish to be obedient, but they must not be naive. They need to keep learning more and more how to do good, to love God, to obey God. They need to resolutely refuse to have anything to do with evil, with anything that's not in accord with the gospel. There must be no complacency and no compromise when it comes to this. What's he saying? Simple towards that which is evil. The struggle that we have today in the American church is too many Christians know too much about evil things. They're too educated. Everything has a double meaning. Everything's perverted. Everything has got us... Why? Because we just had our minds saturated. Saturated. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world stamp its image on you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what? When it comes to evil, I don't want to know about it. Are you with me? I don't need to be educated about it. I don't need to know more about it. I don't need to dive into it. You know, I know some people that just give themselves to studying what the wicked, wicked are doing. I, you know what I want to study? Righteousness and peace. I want to I study good things. Because what are our minds supposed to be thinking on? What sort of things are, say it with me, good? What sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are just? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are a good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, church, think on these things. Can I ask you, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Um, If you're thinking about the end of the world all the time because you watch too much politics on TV, maybe you need to get your nose out of that and into the Bible. Because you know what the Bible tells us? When the end is near, you're going to know because the trumpet's going to sound. It's not going to be a mystery. We're not. I want the angels to say the same thing to us that they said to the disciples. What were the disciples doing when Jesus ascended? What did the angels say? Why stand ye here idle? This same Jesus, the same manner in which he left, he's coming back. What was he saying in essence to them? You heard what a man said. Go get busy doing what he just told you to do. Why you got your mouth wide open staring at the sky? Some Christians are so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. They're just standing there. Listen, you can go sell all your stuff. You can go build a bomb shelter and sit in it in your house while you don't tell anybody about Jesus, while you have no salt. Hey, when you lose your Savior, you're no good. Salt and light is what he called it. You've been hiding under the bushel. The bushel might be your house. How about you, you go into all the world and preach the gospel? At least involve yourself. Can I tell you, first step might be just go to church. Be involved. Be involved in what the church is doing to reach the community for Christ. If you're not, uh, I, I'm always amazed at people who get called in the mission field who didn't do one day of reaching people in the, in the place, in the church they were in before. Say, so, you know, you want to know whether you got a call on your life? If you can just not, you stay away from, you know, evangelizing, telling people about Jesus. By the way, we should have that on our lips. It should be what we're... Who do you talk about? Who you love? That's who you talk about. So maybe we're not talking about God Maybe we're talking too much about politics because we love politics so much. Maybe we're talking about too much about America because we love America too much. You say, oh, that's not possible. Maybe you love it more than God and it's an idol. Do we consider that? Can these things become idolatrous to us? Are you with me? It's an idol. It's been an idol to the church for a long time. You know who we worship? God. Christianity is not an American religion. We worship God. I'm thankful for America. I love America. I'm thankful for all these things. And I am active. <laughs> I am active. I, got, I, just, I just came last month from, from, uh, from Capitol Hill and going there and praying and, and evangelizing and talking to our representatives. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm saying I'm not involved. I'm saying that's not my God. That's not my hope. That's not where I worship. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we're too focused in the wrong areas. Avoid those things that are divisive. Avoid those things that are deceptive. Don't be idle. Get busy. Be simple to that which is evil. And be wise about that which is good. Too many Christians where they're not simple when it pertains to evil or are not wise enough when it comes to good either. You know what we should be? We should be wise believers. We should be wise. You want to you get wise? Read the Bible. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Can I tell you where we find that? In the Bible. Can I tell you where you're going to find wisdom? In the Bible. The word of God is wise. It gives us wisdom. Do a study in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom with all thy getting. Get understanding. Be wise. How many need wisdom? I need it tonight. So if you really know that you need it, why are you avoiding this? This is where wisdom, wisdom is. This is where we get wisdom. Number one, there are some to thank. Number two, there are some to avoid. Number three, there's one who gets the glory. Lastly, tonight, Paul briefly sends greetings from those he's with, most likely in Corinth. There's Timothy, he says in verse 21, his fellow worker, and his mission team. Paul's relatives, his scribe, uh, Terturius, that's the one his scribe, by the way, saying who's writing. Paul is dictating. He's writing. So I don't know whether it was Paul's eyesight at this time or what it was. It was hindering him from being able to write the letter himself. But somebody else was writing the letter as he spoke. And can I say this? Somebody else was writing the letter. It wasn't Paul. The holy men of God spake as they were moved to the Holy Spirit of God. This is inspired writing. God is telling him what to say. Tertius is writing it down. He's talking about Erastus, who's the city's director of public works, verse 23. This is a public works director, Erastus. He's in the ministry. You know, I say thank God for men who work jobs in the community. Sometimes we, we act like, uh, you know, the th- only thing everybody's supposed to do is, you know, everybody's supposed to quit their job and come be here all the time. Don't quit your job. Do your job. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. If God gave you that job, do it well. It's what God called you to do. Give, steward your resources for the Lord, sow into the harvest field, get active in God's church, but thank God for you, thank God for your labors, thank God for your work. Paul was thankful for these men. And uh, here he's, final words here, he's reserved for God. In verses 25 through 27, Paul's looking back once more to chapter 1. As he concludes this whole letter, he's kind of... Going back to the first chapter, his aim in these last words is to move his readers, including us, to give glory to God. How do we do this? By reminding us of the gospel, what it does and what it is. What does the gospel do? Look at verse number 25. Now to him that is of of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. What's he saying? He's saying the gospel is the power to establish you. The power to change you, not just to save you. Think about that. The gospel doesn't just save us, the gospel establishes us. The gospel roots us. The gospel changes us. The gospel is what we're supposed to be about. And the gospel is what continues in us to work in us. And he's he's saying the gospel is not only the entry point into the Christian life, it's also the way we continue in, grow in, and enjoy life with Christ. Too many Christians thought the gospel or just have moved past the gospel in their life. Oh, I got the gospel. I received the gospel. I've been saved. I don't need Romans chapter 3 anymore, or Romans 6, or Romans 5, or Romans 10. That's for everybody else. No, that's for you. You know what doing the, you know what reminder of the gospel will do? It'll establish you. It will strengthen you. It will settle you. It's, it's, it's what keeps us thriving and growing. You could never hear too much of the gospel. Can I say this? Any message that's preached... Preach should be centered around the gospel, because every text is centered around the gospel. Every text, every part of the Bible is centered. It's centered. What is the theme of the Bible? What is the subject of the Bible? Isn't it Jesus Christ? Can you see him in the life of Joseph? Can you see him in the life of David? Can you see him in Aaron's rod that budded in the tabernacle? And can you see him on the mountain? And can you see him at the Red Sea? And can you see Jesus is there all the time? He's the theme of it all. And every message is about the gospel. What the gospel does, it establishes us. If we believe the gospel, God is working powerfully through it in us. We we need never to move away from it. Then he says here what the gospel is. Paul talks of my gospel and then describes the same message in a different way. He says this is the preaching of Jesus Christ, verse 25. The gospel is regarding His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The center of the gospel is Jesus, and the center of every text is Jesus, and the center of every message should be Jesus. The center of every message should not be me and you. That is a litmus test for me now. When I get done writing a message, I step away, and then I come back. When I come back, if I can't see Jesus, the message goes away. And it gets refocused away from me, away from you, and back on Jesus. Because you know what? We're too focused on us, aren't we? I'll I'll admit it, okay. I'm too focused on myself. Are you? I need to be more focused on Christ. How about you? Because when I get my eyes off of myself and onto Jesus, I grow. When I get my eyes off of what I want, what I feel, what I think I need, and I get my eyes on Jesus, I find out what I should want. I find out what I actually need. I find out that I need Jesus. How about you? We think of ourselves too much. Some people love preaching about stuff they already do. You know why? Because it gives validation. Oh, I do that. I do that. Preach more of that. Preach more of that. I've had people actually tell me what I need to preach more of. And I'm like, why? Don't you already do that? Yeah, but everybody else doesn't. So what's the focus here? That everybody else would do what you're doing? Or that everybody else would give their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him? Be followers of me as I follow Christ. But if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. Do yourself a favor. Follow Jesus. You know, God puts leaders in our lives and He sometimes takes them away. The center of the gospel is Jesus. The divine man who died rose to rule as Christ over all creation for all eternity. The gospel is Jesus. No other gospel can save or change us. If you listen long enough and hard enough to people who are supposedly preaching the gospel, at the end of the day, you know what you'll figure out? What they're actually preaching is work salvation. Legalism. They're preaching that if you change enough, God will accept you. If you become good enough, God will accept you. That in order for God to save you, or if God saved you, it's because you became good enough. Can I say this? If any man comes preaching to you another gospel, don't receive him. Because that's not the gospel of the Bible. The gospel is not a work salvation. It is not of works. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. Jesus is the one who was promised in the Old Testament. Yet, notice, he was hidden for long ages past, but is now revealed. He's the mystery that's revealed to us. Can I say this? The gospel is no longer a mystery. When you read that word mystery, a lot of times, how many know the secret things belong to God? You know what a secret is? A secret is meant to be revealed. You know what a bad secret is? Something you have to keep and not tell anybody. Let me help you. We're going to throw a surprise party for so-and-so. Keep it a secret. Good secret or bad secret? It's a great secret, except for me. Don't do that to me. I hate that. Some of you know you're going to do it. I know. I got it. You'll get me. I know your things too. I'm going to come after you. I know where you live. Listen, good secret. You know what a bad secret is? Don't ever tell anybody that I did this to you. Don't ever tell anyone. Bad secret, right? Secrets are meant to be revealed, good secrets. Bad secrets are those that are kept hidden. You know what God has done with the secret things? He's revealed them to us in Christ. He's showed us. Hey, before they were like, you know what they were like? Jesus is coming. He's coming. You don't know when, you don't know where, but you'll know when He does because here's all the signs. Here's a, and you know what happened? Jesus came, didn't He? Just like He said He would. Hey, the secret's out. Surprise parties happened. Up from the grave, He arose. Is he alive? It's not a secret anymore, church. So you know what we're not trying to do? Keep Jesus a secret. It's not a secret. Go and tell. Come and see. Proclaim. Preach Jesus everywhere you go. Because he's not a secret. We're not trying to keep him a secret. We're not trying to act like we're trying to keep it a secret. Then he gives us more in what the gospel does. Paul returns to one of the great themes of Romans. That anyone anywhere can now believe in the gospel and obey God with both heart and hands. That's awesome. Verse 26, notice 25, back half of 25. You can see where we're at in the text. So you know we're almost getting done, right? We're working through the text. Which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made what, church? Manifest. And how were they made manifest? By the scriptures. Of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God. God commanded that they would be made manifest in the scriptures. And now are made known to what? All nations for the obedience of faith. What does God want? All nations to believe. Made known to all nations for the obedience to the faith. What does God want us to do with the word? Well, to those who have it, he wants us to preach it. And to those that hear it, he wants them to obey it by faith, trust it by faith. Isn't that what it takes to be saved? What do I have to do? I just have to obey it by faith, right? He says, if I'll confess my sins, if I'll come to him, if I'll confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, if I'll believe in my heart that God's raised him from the dead, I have to accept that by faith. Did you see him raised from the grave? Have you seen him? Did you put your hands at his nail scars? We talked about that this morning. Are we lesser because we believe by faith? No, no, God has radically changed our lives and transformed us because we took God at his word. We just said, if God says it, I believe it. I'll, I'll believe it. I don't need evidence. I don't, I don't need, uh, and, and by the way, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So don't look at faith as being blind because faith is called in the Bible substance and evidence. So God is saying, hey, there's evidence for what I'm telling you. You just may not be able to see it until you trust me. How many found out after what God said was true is true? Maybe you didn't see the evidence before, but now with the Spirit, you're able to see it. you have eyes to see now? Have the blinders been removed? Do you understand? He's able to teach us all things. When we consider this gospel the Lord Jesus predicted, revealed, proclaimed, and calling us to faith and obedience through Him, we join Paul. In the last verse. What do we say? To God only wise. To the only wise God. And by the way, to the only God. Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. That's what we say. We proclaim. When we understand and experience the gospel. We say, we know The only wise God, to him be glory. We know that that clothed in Christ's righteousness and made like him by the work of the Spirit, we will do so forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's something we can agree with. You know what amen means? You know why you can say amen? Not because I asked you to? Amen means I agree. You know who needs to know that you agree? Well, first you do. You know, it would help if other people in the church knew you did. You know, it would help your marriage if your spouse thought you did. If your kids knew you did. You know why we say amen, church? Because we say we're in agreement. We're in agreement. When it comes to this, are we in agreement, church? Amen. We can say amen. To God be the glory. What the old hymn. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. God be the glory, great things he hath done. Who are we wanting to get glory through our lives as the gospel breaks through, transforms us, as we understand and experience it? We want ultimately for many to see and fear and trust in him, that many shall see it and give glory to God. I wonder, is anybody giving glory to God because of the life that you're living in Christ? If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.